Hello, and welcome to the Psych in Business podcast, where we highlight the integration of psychology and psychological principles into the world of business and organizations. I'm your host, Dr. Ernest Wade. It was such a pleasure and actually a lot of fun for me to have Dr. Kate LeCastro on the show the other day. Kate is a former colleague and a very good friend. Kate and I have actually done a lot of work together where we've worked with teams to help them improve their functioning. And during our discussion, she actually brought up the importance of working with teams, and I can wholeheartedly agree with that. Now, when I start my work, I'll usually start with working with the individual. And that's because it's important for the individual to understand who they are, including their strengths, their challenges, and to do some work to understand how they can work with others. And then we start to work with that next part, which is working with others and working the team environment. And this can be very challenging because you can have individuals who function really well by themselves, but are challenged when it comes to working with a team. When we talk about a team, we're talking about a group of people that are working together to achieve a common goal. And so think about in the business setting, the teams that I usually work with are the executive teams. So those individuals in the C-suite level. So in the C-suite level, you'll typically have a chief executive officer, which is known as the CEO. And this person is, is responsible for the success of the entire organization. But working under them and with them, you'll also have a CFO, which is a chief financial officer. And this individual is responsible for the finances of the organization. Their job is to make sure that the, the company uh, stays in the black in terms of has money and doesn't lose money unnecessarily and continues to make money. And then you'll have someone like a CIO, which is a chief information officer, and they're responsible for uh, a lot of the information in the organization, a lot of the information that is generated, the databases and things like that. You may also have a CTO, which is a chief technology officer, uh, and a chief a CDO, which is a chief data officer. And so it really depends on the organization that you have and the way that it's structured. You typically also have someone in there who's responsible for marketing and sales and things like that. And so these individuals are really responsible together as a team for the success of the organization. And they're responsible for strategic planning, for thinking ahead, and for think- figuring out how they can work well together and how their departments can work well together. Because even though they have this responsibility, this overarching responsibility for the organization, they also have their siloed responsibilities, which means that they are focused on a very narrow strip of things. So take, for example, the CFO, responsible for the financial stability of the organization. They tend not to want to spend money or to make sure that money is being spent reasonably and rationally. Now, take the other side, which is usually somebody like the marketing director or the marketing officer, the chief marketing officer. They want to spend money or they need to spend money in order to make sure that they're increasing the visibility of the organization out in the public so that it increases sales, so that it increases finances. But very often, these individuals will butt heads. I remember a recent organization that I worked with where there was some tension in the executive team level because the marketing director wanted to spend more money and the financial officer was really resistant to doing that. And these two individuals didn't really have a great relationship. They really butted heads a lot of times, partly because they didn't really understand each other very well. And so what I typically do when I come into a team environment like this 
is to try to help improve the relationship first and foremost between these individuals. And to do that, I have uh, an activity that I use, which I call the professional timeline. Now, this activity actually came about through an experience that I had when I joined a team. The leader of the team really helped to increase the relationships within the team by having us do what he called the personal timeline. And that was basically an opportunity to share about the personal experiences that you had in your life and how they impacted you into who you were in that day. And so this is a great activity because it allows you to really uh, be open, but also share the things that are important to you. So what I've done is amended this activity slightly and focused it on the professional timeline. But even as I give instructions to individuals to focus on their professional timeline, very often I find that individuals can't just focus on their professional timeline. They have to include their, their personal experiences. And that's simply because a lot of who we are at work has to do with who we are personally and the experiences that we've had in our personal lives that all make up who we are as a person. It's really difficult to separate the, the person, the professional from the personal. It's a, it's a holistic being. And so this activity helps people see that, helps them see that their professional activity and their professional lives have been influenced by their personal lives. The second advantage to this activity is that it allows people to share more of who they are with their coworkers and their colleagues. It, it requires them to be somewhat vulnerable. And in, in a team setting, vulnerability can actually help to build trust. Sharing some things about who you are and, 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 and your personal experiences can help you to extend trust to others and can help others to, to receive that trust because everybody has to go in the, in the team. And so, you know, being vulnerable and also being on the other side of that, hearing other people be vulnerable can be very good activity to help to, to build trust between individuals. The next advantage of this activity is actually it forces people to listen. It forces us to listen to our coworkers and to appreciate who they are as individuals and the professional experiences that they've had that make them who they are now. It helps us to see and to respect the value that they bring to the team in terms of what they advocate for and what they are um, and what they're championing when when they're talking. And so I find that this activity basically increases. The, the opportunities for people to listen and to communicate in a respectful way. So it also models communication for, for the team. Generally, I find that after this activity, it, it helps to, to facilitate better understanding within the, in the teams. And I find that people usually work better together. The other activity that I have also come to use now, which is a second part of this, which I'll, I usually do the next time I meet with them, is uh, an activity that requires people to put themselves in the shoes of somebody else within their team. So basically what I do is I ask them to pick somebody on the team or I assign somebody on the team that uh, they might not um, know very well in terms of what they do. So for example, I might ask the CFO to uh, put themselves in the shoes of the, the chief marketing officer and ask them to think about what this person actually does for the organization, how it's valuable to the organization, what that person is hearing, what that person is advocating for, uh, what that person is concerned about, the risks that this person is trying to avoid, and how this person's input will help the organization be successful. 
And so I find that this activity has actually been very good because it takes the personal timeline a step forward and allows everyone to step into the shoes of their teammates, which allows them to see what they've been advocating for and, and, and why they've been advocating for those things. And the activity also provides the opportunity for, for correction. So if, for example, I'm the CFO and, and I'm not sure that I've gotten it right, after the activity, you ask the, the marketing um, official and, and say, hey, help me understand what I got wrong. Did I get it right? Did I get it wrong? But I find that generally speaking, once people actually take the time to think through it, they have a pretty good sense of what their team members are doing and how they bring value. Because once you, you spend some time thinking about it, you can actually better appreciate how someone in your team provides value to the success of the team. It helps you recognize that everyone has their role and every role is important to the success of the organization. So that's a couple of activities that I found have been very helpful with teams, all with the goal of facilitating relationship building, better communication, which leads to more effective and efficient uh, coordination and collaboration within the team, which will eventually help the organization be more successful. The more uh, effective, efficient, uh, the more comfortable people on your team are with each other, the more they're likely to listen to each other, to respect each other, and to work well with each other. So try this activity or these two activities if you find that you have a team that is experiencing some challenges. Get people to share and to open up a little bit more, and you will hopefully find that that increase in communication will, will lubricate the, the, the inner workings of the team. People will work better with each other, which will lead to better success for the organization. Thanks for listening. I hope this has been helpful, and I hope you will join us next time.